0: My skin is black what you um, My at. skin
1: yeah. is black I feel so good to be black right now
0: black. <laughs> look- Welcome guys to episode 100 and I had to do one hundred with one of my biggest supporters. She's been around since day one, Caress Dorothy of Six Twenty Style. Caress, thank you so much for joining me on a hundred episode. Oh my gosh! Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's crazy. Thank- I feel so honored. Yeah, I was like, I have to. It had to be somebody special. I'm just like a hundred. It has to be like the right person. And I was just like, she's like the all around supporter. So I gotta. It gotta be you. It couldn't be nobody else. <laughs> Yeah, You're about
1: to make me cry. I'm already so emotional. <laughs> it's
0: okay. Love it, uh, Chris. I'm actually this one you gotta come to. So in October we're actually doing a live podcast to celebrate the hundred episode as well as my three year anniversary. So we want to do a pop up. We're gonna do a pop up and we're gonna do like a live podcast and a live discussion. So stay tuned for the details. I'll make sure I send them to you. Yes, I love it Yes, it's so exciting So, can't start any podcast without acknowledging our amazing Black-owned sponsors, guys So, this episode is actually sponsored by June 8th and They just released their um, purpose Col- Pretty On Purpose collection September 3rd The collection is fall ready So, make sure you check them out Check out their Instagram And make sure you shop at wwwjune 8 Um The brand is very eclectic eclectic and unique and their aesthetic is amazing so make sure you check them out and of course we can't start anyone without talking about our girl at adorn hair salon up in harlem they are redefining what it's like to have good hair they have memberships for good hair and hair growth and they can put you on a Amazing hair growth journey. So, Caress, this is your first time on the show, and that is very, very exciting. Yeah. So, let's start with just a little this or that, even though I feel like I know all of your answers. All right, let's see. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> Fitted leg or flare leg? Flare. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, fedora or beret? Ooh. Mm hmm. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to say a beret. Beret. Okay. Mule or stiletto?
1: So I want to say stiletto, but the way my feet are set up after <laughs> COVID, in practical application, it would be a mule.
0: Hilarious. Uh, side boob or under boob? Chris? Can you hear me? I said side boob or under boob? I said, I think I'm going to say an under boob. Under boob. Cool. Okay. So. Mm -hmm. Caress, I think that everyone should know about your journey. The way that me and Caress met was really uh, organic. We actually uh, both attended the um, Harlem Fashion Row designer retreat a couple years back, and we both made an impression on the owner, and she, we didn't even meet each other at the event. We actually didn't even meet until afterwards. She connected us and just started our little sisterhood. And Caress is the one who gave me the name Fashion Fairy Godmother, and now I cling on to it. It's on the website. It's everywhere. <laughs> she coined the name, people. She coined the name. So let's get into just talking about your journey. So when did you even start designing? And can you just tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, um, a little bit how you grew up, just a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, I'm originally
1: from Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I went to school for music. I have a bachelor's of music in music education and then a master's of music in music business. And I worked in the music industry first, doing music publishing. And then um, when I got married and started a family, I decided I was gonna teach just because teaching is much more conducive to being a mom. So I transitioned into teaching and I taught for 12 years. In 2014, on 6-20, June 20th, 2014, um, I was pregnant and I lost my son. Uh, he was still born at 28 weeks. And so as a way of kind of healing myself or whatever, it was nothing but God that was like, go buy a sewing machine. And I didn't know how to sew. I had never touched the sewing machine. I had always been in music. I was really just a consumer. I loved fashion, but I had never created it. Um, so, my husband was kind of like, if it'll stop you from crying, buy whatever you want. <laughs> and so, I bought a sewing machine and my friend Visa taught me how to thread the machine and that was it. Like, I was just hooked. I was in love. Um, I'd be lying if I said I was designing back then. I was kind of just replicating other people's things. Okay. Um, and then... I think that was 2017. So from 2015 to 2017, I was like a bootleg seamstress. (laughs) Not bootleg. (laughs) I was just kind of teaching myself. And, you know, shout out to anybody who bought anything during those years. Because, (laughs) wow, um, they really loved me. But then in 2017, I was like, but who am I? Like, what do I like to wear? What do I want to do? What makes me feel good? Mm -hmm. And that's when I started focusing on sportswear. And I'm really into vintage. Anybody who knows me knows I will pick a vintage bag, especially a vintage Gucci bag Mm -hmm. over anything in the store. Like I love things that feel like they have a story that feel fresh and new, but also familiar. So um, I created a sportswear line where it's, comfortable style not leggings and sweatshirts but an elevated comfort Mm -hmm. that feels fresh and new but also familiar
0: I like that and did that just it just came from you just thinking about what you wanted to wear right so you kind of felt like that you wanted to make things like because you were the consumer right so in 2014 like Okay, everybody's
1: like, Yeah, it's really sad, you lost your baby, sorry. And you know, at the time also my dad had just had a stroke and everyone was very sympathetic, but also it's like, All right, girl, but get yourself together. Like, okay, but you you still have to go back to work. And at the time my daughter was in kindergarten. So it's like, you know, you still have to show up as a parent. Right. So I wanted I really just wanted to wear sweatpants every day. I just wanted to kinda of roll out of bed. And so I kind of took that feeling, that idea of just being somewhere where it's like, I don't want to iron. I don't want to go to the dry cleaners. I want to be comfortable, but also present myself in a a really polished way. So I kind of took that really dark moment and splashed a whole bunch of color on it and took the joy, took the sadness out and added the joy in. And that's kind of where the line came from.
0: You turned lemons into lemonade. Yes. Yep. Seriously. and completely transformed so tell me about like as you started to really understand your consumer what shifts that you make in your business to make sure that you were I guess the word I'm looking for is like making sure you're branding because I feel like as a designer a self-taught designer um and when you kind of like you get inspired to creative you get lost in doing so many different things Um, How do you make sure that you're staying along your brand standards and making sure that you are targeting to the consumer that you found um, is the person that wears your clothes? It's really hard when you're creative. Mm -hmm. Like you want to do so
1: many things. You want to have skirts and dresses and straight leg pants and everything. (laughs) But I um, I pick we picked, actually, uh, I want to say six silhouettes, six things. And then I could play with color, I can play with fabrication, but um, your customer kind of knows who you are and they know what they want. Mm. And so you kind of fill that part of their closet. They want to come back to you for what you do best. Um, So, kind of knowing what I do. I do sportswear, I do flare pants, I do sweatsuits, and all just in an elevated way. Yeah. So you're I don't... You're the queen and the flare pants. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's like, I'm good with that. If you're going to prom, it ain't for me.
0: Right. You know, if, you,
1: if, if it's your birthday and you want your birthday dress, that's not for me either. And I, I had to be okay with that. I had to pick my lane and stay in it and really stand confidently in that space.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I understand that for sure. <laughs> so when it comes to, I guess I want to talk about, you know, the, you being the queen of the flare pant, is there something in particular when you go out and shop for flare pants that you look for, or do you only like stick to like what you make or um as far as like the flare pants go because I know that it has to be with flare pants it has to be something very very strategic as far as like the length and how wide it is and like what what type of shoe you can wear with it like what are like I guess like the key points for the way you design a flare pant
1: hmm well for me all of my flare pants are stretch okay um just because as a just a black woman, I go up five pounds, down five pounds, up five pounds, (laughs) down five pounds. So I want a pant that is comfortable and that when I sit in the car or I sit down for dinner, when I stand up, I don't have all those uh, wrinkles across my midsection, especially around the belly. So that's how I design. Um, It needs to be a little bit of a high waist so that it's not cutting you in that place where a lot of us have a problematic area. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of the length, all of my 620 pants have a 34 inch inseam. And that's kind of what I look for in other designers as well. I need mine to dust the floor in a heel. I want to really give that drama. I don't want my flare to be too big. I like for it to be just enough. Like, I have bell-bottom pants. I don't need a bell-bottom. I want it to just be enough where the bottom of my flare lines up with my hip, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Gotcha. That's kind of what I look for. Gotcha,
0: okay, I like that So I have a uh, segment called It's a success or it's a disaster Can you tell me about a time in your Design career where something went completely to Hell but you learned something From the situation and it made You a uh, better business Owner or just it made you Adopt something new into your business structures Oh Yes, so
1: I did um, a Collaboration with ABL on these um, ABL creations, which is Melissa Mitchell. She just launched a completely dope line for Foot Locker, but she and I have um, a t-shirt dress together at the time. I mean, so we started the process right before COVID hit then all the factories shut down and then I couldn't get a photo shoot. It was just like a series of unfortunate events. Then Mm -hmm. when everything finally came together, I was 27 weeks pregnant. So my mental was just not where it needed to be. And I should have just been like, you know what? Everything is lining up, except I'm not in a good place right now. Let me take a minute and, you know, we waited this long. Let me just wait. But I didn't, I went ahead, took the fabric, to the factory and I explained to them what I wanted, but I wasn't like on top of it. It was kind of one of those, like, let me just get this off my plate. Let me just get it done. And they made all of the dresses with the fabric going the wrong way. Wow. <laughs> and I, um, I had to manually, like there's a face on the front of the dress. So I had to manually use the additional fabric to cut out the face and sew it onto the dress, which actually made like a really cool um, like visual because it became almost 3D. -hmm. But But that was not the plan and that was a lot of work. And I think that as a business owner, A, when you're spending your money, pay attention. Don't ever like just let somebody do it really be clear about what you want be hands-on and if you can't do that in that moment if you have too much on your plate just wait Mm -hmm. just
0: it taught me uh,
1: yeah to take your time and be patient and if you have a quality product and if you have real customers they will wait for you just don't don't be so thirsty to just rush into something just be patient I
0: learned a lot of patience. Yeah. You know, I did that too, Chris. I was i like I was rushing and I did the same thing. I forgot like the same thing with your pants. Oh yeah, the first one. Yeah, the first one. Like I was rushing and I think I put the wrong fabric on there. So that's what I think. Because I was just like, how would they possibly have used this one? And it's supposed to be this one. <laughs> right. Yeah. So trust me, I learned that too. <laughs> But the first time I did it, I had did it with a, a a company that I worked for. And I swatched the wrong fabric for the pants. And all the pants are made in a different fabric. But it was only one black fabric that had showed up. So I just assumed that it was it. And all the black fabrics, of course, look exactly the same. They were all like cotton satin. I didn't even know that there was a freaking difference. And I was just like, OK. And that's when, like, my first time like in production. I think I had only been in production maybe like three months. <laughs> and I had literally Mm -hmm. I had jacked it up and I when I was working for a company and I jacked it all the way up and I felt so bad like I was in there crying like my boss is gonna kill me I'm gonna get fired and it wasn't even my business and I was crying
1: (laughs) (laughs) so you know how I
0: was yeah like it's not even like you spending your money I'm I'm doing it I'm hurting somebody else's money I was like this is not it like this is messed up (laughs) what what I'm
1: grateful
0: because I'll never do it again, but <laughs> definitely. Tell me a little bit about like your design. like do you feel like that you need to add things to your collection often? or do you feel like that you just need to like continue to find like new consumers? because I always hear and speak with designers and they always feel like they have to redesign a post like setting like the brand foundation like you have done. Do you feel that like every once in a while you do need to introduce a, a different silhouette to like re-engage your customer?
1: Um. Yes, for me, I I think so. But it it's not so much for my customer mm-hmm. and more about the story that I'm telling and how I'm evolving as a designer. So my flare pants, like that's what I'm known for. I'm, that's what I'm good at. I've worked at making sure that they fit just right and I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. But you know where flare pants all the time and the woman that I'm the the woman in my head that I dress doesn't want to wear a flare pant all the time because sometimes she wants to wear jays mm-hmm. and when she wears jays she wants a straight leg um and so I am adding things as I evolve as a designer so I'll always have my flare I'm gonna always have my wide leg track pant, always have my short sleeve, um, baseball jacket, but I'm adding a varsity jacket and I'm adding a straight leg sweat pant. And hopefully soon, 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 I'll be adding, um, my first piece of knitwear sweater. So, uh, nice. I want, I want to, you know, be 620 and be who I am, but also just kind of grow as my customer grows.
0: Gotcha. And are you, um, just to jump back to what you said in the beginning, are you still doing music and do you ever like incorporate like your designs and like like music videos or photo shoots, like people that you like teach or work with, like do, you, do they intertwine for you at all? Yeah, sometimes. Um, just recently
1: I got hired to um, write a song for um, a gentleman that has his own foundation working on financial literacy. Mm -hmm. And he wanted a song done. And so me and my partner worked on a song for him. And then he's like, all right, I need a video. I need a stylist, I need clothing, I need everything. And he actually hired me as the stylist and I got to dress people in 620. So it was just kind of like this full, all-size, multifaceted, Um, Project And it was really cool. So I do get to do that sometimes.
0: Do you like doing it that way? Like when you're able to incorporate like all your passions in one?
1: Yeah, I like doing it sometimes because it can be overwhelming. If that's how it was all the time, I don't think I, I still love music and I love fashion. And when I put them all together, I'm not giving my all to either one. I'm trying to balance so much. Gotcha. But every once in a while, it does. It feels good to you know hear my music and see my fashion in the same music video. It's it's dope.
0: Gotcha. So I don't know. This is a, I don't It's not a tough question, but it's more so like a how do you do it all kind of question? Like, you know, I know that I feel like sometimes in society or you hear like it, they make you choose between like, you know, family and career and you seem to have them both. And is it hard for you to like still like really, really, you know, you know, pursue your passions and your dreams, but still like have like that home life? And how do you find like that balance?
1: It's very, very hard. And the short answer is I'm still working on that balance okay so um like i just had a baby six months ago and i really just took five out of that six and was like i'm just going to be a mom i have a daughter going to eighth grade well she just started eighth grade and a six-month-old and i have to make sure that i'm there and present for both of them so i just kind of took a minute and now i'm learning to balance and i'm learning my schedule and i'm getting back to me and back to 620 but it's very very difficult and it's a a balance that i still struggle with gotcha
0: i feel like that's normal especially when you just pop one out congratulations of course
1: (laughs) thank you and a surprise because i thought we were done
0: (laughs) (laughs) but that you know it was it was i feel like there are always blessings in disguise right yeah i always was like you know thinking and then just like boom it's just like damn that literally was not part of my plan but you know i always hear that saying it's just like tell god your plans and watch him laugh at you
1: yeah yeah (laughs) that's definitely how it was i was just like wait the doctor was like i'm pregnant i'm like i'm what (laughs) no i'm not and then for it to be a boy it was just like God really if you just trust and believe in him his word is real and he will keep his promises and he really did and I'm so happy and grateful and I'm just over here living mother of two
0: (laughs) that's what's up so let's talk a little bit about like getting funding for your business has that been something that has been like you know hard for you or a struggle for you can you talk a little bit about that because I think that um just to kind of like lend a hand to like aspiring designers just trying to get to like where you are that's always the biggest thing is like financially like how do I get grants how do I get loans how do I qualify for this is there any steps that you've taken um to you know make sure that you are properly funding your business to succeed yes so
1: in the beginning I bootstrapped everything Um, I mean here in America you have to have money for them to even loan you money Mm -hmm. and you even when you're applying for grants or pitch competitions they want to see financials they're like well what what did you do before what did you do without this money so in the beginning you just have to save your money in order to fund your dream or work your day job in order to fund your dream. And then start joining communities, start joining small business organizations, start um, Eureka, um, which is an entrepreneur's group, a small business group. They're called Eureka. I think it's Eureka.biz. Mm-hmm. They were a godsend for me. They hooked me up with some mentors and those mentors were like, girl, let me show you what your stuff should look like. Let me help you. Let me put together a pitch deck for you. Um, really just learning how to present, learning how to speak for yourself, learning how to advocate for yourself, learning how to articulate what your business's plans are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's huge and really just being there like there was no one thing that I did to get funding it really was just knocking on anybody's door that would be willing to open it um one of my mentors is um what does she do she goes around the country and has like these they're called ice kits in case of emergency and she teaches these large corporations how to evacuate or deal with fires or god forbid there was anything like september 11th how what pop what things could be in place to help save more people that's basically what her company does right she has nothing to do with fashion nothing but i got signed up with her as a mentor and the things that she taught me really helped with my fashion business so just Being open um, as a Black designer and as a Black woman is just Black people. Sometimes we are leery of white people, if Mm -hmm. I'm just keeping it plain. We're like, no, I'm a Black business. I'm going to deal with just Black people, Mm -hmm. which is great. But as Black people, we've been taught that, you know, generationally, you get a job and you stay in that job and you retire from that job and you get a good pension. Yeah, true. White people know how to get funding they know about venture capitalism they know how to do this they the the companies that our parents were working for are the businesses that these white people created and now we're trying to do the same thing so opening yourself up and being vulnerable and actually accepting help from someone who is not us is okay Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I think that was that was something I had to learn but I'm so grateful that I did gotcha
0: I'm so glad you said that. because <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I feel like that is probably the biggest struggle and just like that was just like a, a gem that you just dropped. Like be okay with asking for help and funding and it, it doesn't have to be someone of a certain color, you know, like there's a lot of different resources out here and we have to learn about them and like really utilize them so that we can succeed, you know, and you can't do everything by yourself.
1: Yeah, you can't. Yeah. And we don't know what we don't know and that's a cultural and societal thing Black people have an issue with having debt and using credit appropriately. Mm-hmm. How to, when you you get those lines of credit, how to draw from that credit, what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Those are not things that we were taught or that I was
0: taught. No, we, you say that, you say that, right? We, <laughs> we <laughs> as a people was we, not.
1: <laughs> we were not. We are so fearful of credit. We're so fearful of debt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, not debt because you went and, you know, tore up the mall. But having that, <laughs> having a business credit card and how to use it appropriately, like all of those things, I think, that I learned from not us. That's what I <laughs> and mean. I took that information and I still am unapologetically that black, but I do have to recognize that a lot of those things, I did—I had to open myself up and learn from others. Gotcha.
0: So now that kind of leads me into, like, marketing um, and putting yourself out there. I know you had mentioned to me one time that you had just been working with a marketing company. Um, I just want to know how, like, that experience was for you. um, And, you know, was it beneficial? Because I know that marketing and working with marketing companies can get extremely, extremely expensive. I just want to know, do you feel like it was beneficial? Um, Were there things that you feel like you could have done on your own? And I just want to get your feedback on that. Yeah, that's a... (laughs) <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but that's the one because at the end of the day that that's what it all about you know balls down to. you can have the uh, you know greatest product in the world but if you can't market it correctly or it doesn't you know mar- do what it needs to do then you know or you can have things that are terrible that have great marketing so i just want to know what you, like what your experiences with like you know working with these different marketing companies cause i don't know many people that have so
1: i um excuse me, my the marketing company that I worked with was specifically for um social media, targeting ads um and helping create my ad space. Okay. That works to an ex a certain extent based on the price point of your designs. Okay. So if you are Zara and down type pricing. So Zara, H and M, Forever Twenty One, like those lower prices, mm-hmm. someone can see your ad once or twice and be ready to spend. Because it's quick. They're like, Oh, it's only twenty five dollars. Only it's only fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. If you have a price point where, like for me, my jack my yeah, my jackets are three twenty eight, they have to see that same ad eight times before they decide yes or no. So for someone with a lower price point, they can turn more volume for less money. But if you have a higher price point, it costs a lot more money because a consumer has to see it. They got to believe in it. They're like, Oh, this is $328. I've never heard of this brand. Nobody I see on TV has this brand. None of my friends have this brand. Why am I spending three hundred and twenty-eight dollars? Gotcha. So it's it's um it's beneficial for people
0: with a smaller price point. It's with social media. With social media, because social media is driven by what others, what celebrities are wearing, and what people that are influencers, like that, is wearing. So from a social media standpoint, it works with it works better with more well-known brands and fast fashion brands because that's what we see. Right. Gotcha. So if you, if you do the, so for me,
1: I did that and I was like, okay, this is cool, but it wasn't really working. So then I went behind the scenes and started emailing every stylist, every, not like the big ones, but like the small ones that work on movie sets and the work on TV shows and really emailing like, hey, this is me, this is my story. I would love if you would, you know, consider 620. And then once your stuff starts getting featured here and there or in magazines or on the TV or like Wendy Williams, then I could run an ad and people are like, oh, I just saw that. And then they'll buy it. (laughs) So I guess like not in isolation, you can't just do ads.
0: Gotcha. So your advice, like for an expiring, like a designer who's in the same price point, you know, strategy as you that to maybe do some of those cold calling, cold emailing and reaching out to people on their own before running the ads, just to get some of that visibility. Yes. Okay.
1: And, uh, Charlize Antoinette, she's, uh, the black designer database. She helped a lot. She just found me on Instagram and I reached out like, Hey girl. Black Designer style. Database? Yeah. Oh,
0: look that up. Hold on. Black I think that's what called. Yeah. yeah. She me. was
1: Here it goes. The, um, the lead costume designer for um, Judas and the Black Messiah.
0: Nice.
1: And young, dope Black woman. And I just reached out and started corresponding. And she got me on... Uh, Oh my gosh. Blackish. I can't think of the name of the show. Not Blackish. Uh, on Freeform, The Bold Type. The Bold Type. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, just social media isn't everything. It's something. I'd be lying to designers if I'm like, it's nothing. It definitely is. But reaching out to those, um, like those industry people, those industry stylists, it doesn't have to all be, you know, the top designers that you see, you know, out and about and on Instagram. You don't have to reach out to June Ambrose.
0: You can reach out to
1: so many other people who make decisions and really try to create relationships.
0: Gotcha. I will definitely be reaching out to her. I know I got a wave of designers is coming. That's yep. coming out and they're gonna need some help for sure. So our last segment before we wrap up is called ins Muse," and in Muse" is just for us for you to give us a, a quote or a mantra an affirmation a reading anything like that that just inspires you and keeps you going that you would just want to share with another creative ooh
1: um, I think it would just be well, I guess two things. One thing is like on my board right now, I'm looking at it. It says faith without work is dead. That's James 2.14. Um, you have to do the work no matter what, no matter what ads you have, no matter, no matter what, like (laughs) the dream is free, but (laughs) you have to really work, work, work for it. And, um, The other thing is that uh, Brandis Daniels from Harlem Fashion Row said to me, they're not just wearing your clothes, they're wearing your story. And you need to treat everything, every garment, like it's a piece of you with your story. And when you think of everything that you create as part of your story, you treat it differently, you respect it differently. It's not like, oh, I just designed this shirt. No, I'm sharing a piece of my story with you. And it's important,
0: that. and it's valuable. Oh, I love that! Okay, come on, Brandis. She always right? come through with this. She comes through. Sis comes through. She does. I was like, <laughs> I will. I receive it. I printed that out and
1: put it on my sewing machine. Like they are wearing my story.
0: I'm about the girl. I'm about to print it out and put it on the wall in of my office.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
0: <laughs> they're not wearing. They're not just wearing your clothes. They're wearing your story. Yeah. I think need, that needs to be in the office somewhere so that they get inspired, honey. Right? Yes, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Caress, for joining me. I appreciate you taking your time out. I'm so glad that it was you that I got a chance to do my 100th episode with. This is a... This is a... Wow. Now I'm getting teary-eyed. Look at me right now, I'm getting teary-eyed. I'm like, this is a big accomplishment. Episode 100. Yeah.
1: I so wish I was there with you. And I need you to know, and everybody else to know, that y'all if you work with Lenise, like she really is your fashion fairy godmother. She really cares about you and your brand and where you're going and what you're doing. And you really have someone special in your corner when you are working with her. So Lenny's like, girl, I know I've said it like a million times, but thank you so much. Just being who you are and doing what you do and just being able to watch the glow up. Like y'all see the studio now, but this was in her <laughs> like in, in her, her apartment. apartment. Yeah. And it is huge. It is amazing. And you're just a ball of black girl magic. And I'm just grateful to be part of the story and grateful to be able to work with you. And I just love you. So
0: thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you too. And thank you for trusting me, you know. And you came right. with me when I was, you know, at the bottom and you trusted me to, you know, do what you needed me to do and to, you know, bring everything to fruition. So I appreciate you. You are hands down my favorite client of all time. Oh, of all time. I'm <laughs> like of all time because you trusted me when there was there was no social media or there was nothing, you know. So I really appreciate you. And thank you for taking a chance on me.
1: You believed in me. I'm like, hey, I don't know nothing about fashion. I just know what I like, and I got a sewing machine. Can you help me? Right. And we're like, yes, but we're going to do this professionally, and we're going to
0: fix this. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate you. And yeah, I will definitely have you on my panel when I get this uh, live taping going. It's going to be the next thing I do. I'm just trying to solidify it. Then you already got the audio, the video. I already know exactly what's going to be. I just got to find a place to just knock it out. I am here for it right. yes well thank you so much you have a, a great rest of your evening enjoy your weekend and i will speak to you soon thank you you too right. bye bye and as i always say guys stay black peace out